When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mutation, it is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined this week by a special guest, not Chris, but Charles, Omnis of Omnis Protocol. How are you doing today, Omnis? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Actually, uh, Nick Fury told me that uh, if we're going to record this, it can't be the finest. With me, it's the spiciest. So it's Fury's spiciest for this one. Going forward, if we have other episodes, it'll just be Fury's spiciest. I can do that. I can change the the RSS for one episode. <laughs> Probably not quite that much, but uh, you know, when the director <laughs> says what you're doing, he's like, yeah, this is, this is going to be the spiciest. But man, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So we haven't even talked about what we're doing yet, but I have Omnis on for our first episode of the X community, which of course we've talked about how the X season has started. Mutants. Mutants everywhere. We are the future. Chris and I are doing, of course, our standard eight deep dive episodes on the eight mutant characters on their lore, their character cards and where they fit in the game. But we're also doing a lot of side shows and they're not even really side shows. They're parts of this season of Fury's Finest. And one of the ones I'm most excited about going forward is this one. It is the X community where I'm going to be bringing on fellow content creators from the MCP community talking list building all the way to hobbying and much more. And of course, what a way to kick it off with the spiciest start to this. That's Omnis being on the show. And Omnis, we are doing something kind of interesting today that I'm really excited to have you on. We are building an, an uncanny X-Men team from the ground up live, basically on the air. Yeah, we're just going to sure. do it together. Uh, Omnis and I have not shared notes on what we're going to do, like what teams we're going to build, what characters we're thinking about. We're just going to get into it and we're going to basically organically make a list. And hopefully by the end of this episode, not only will you experience our decision tree thoughts, but also you might have some different approach to building X-Men or you just straight neck deck this and play this list. <laughs> and and just steal it. Any just, good. steal it. just gambit it. Just gambit it and just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely gambit steal it play it get back to us tell us how we're completely wrong or completely right whatever it is because we're just building this live on the air together and we're going to put a couple restrictions but really we're just going to our main focus and this was momness's idea just to be mono uncanny x-men right yeah i love it personally i'm a very dual affiliation sort of guy but i do think x-men is one of the affiliations that doesn't really have like a distinct weakness like they're not necessarily gonna have the best matchup every single time but there's no standout where I'm like, you almost kind of need this other affiliation to fill a gap. Maybe we'll find one as we go through the process. But right now, I think I think we could go solo X-Men. Well, let's stick with that initially. If our thoughts change in the middle of this, you know, we can go that way, you know, which will be yeah, really interesting. Sure. But let's just start off at the top with choosing our 10 characters for this X-Men list. So, of course, it's safe to say we're going to start with the four core X-Men in the box, unless you have some different thoughts on them. No, I mean, let's talk about why we kind of want them, I think, because I think okay. there is reasons. And I think there's one 
that is potentially flexible, but I think we probably still want all four, but we might as well discuss it. Well, let's start with Storm, obviously. Yes. I will say uh, Storm is my girl already. I am loving playing her. X-Men and her, she is the position player's dream where if you look at your game plan and look at how you play and you love really tactical positioning, man, she just dials it up to 10. And then you get that and you get a throw, right? It's like three costs, but it's a range three throw. That's right. Fantastic. I really like her. And I know some people are kind of like, oh, she's like a leader that never does anything. That has not been my experience at all. I already have a game up on the YouTube channel. It's my first game with her. And she like, she dazes people. Like she does work the whole game. I love her. So yeah, I think Storm is super key. Well, and Chris and I just dropped our Storm episode. So if you want to dive into Storm's lore and her playstyle, check that out. But it's a perfect time for us to do these episodes because I do think Storm, of course, is the stronger of the two X-Men leaders. But if anything, Omnis, something I always bring up on the show, threat cost of leaders is very important. And Storm yep. is three. And that's you're already at a really interesting starting point. It's actually one of the reasons why sometimes I'll go to bat for Guardians because Star-Lord being a ranged leader that's threat cost three actually is a pretty good start to building a list and making it easier on yourself. Storm is obviously that. So moving past Storm, because she's an auto include, so I think we got to get into yeah. <laughs> more spicy picks and certainly some other I'm gonna, mainstays. I'm going to throw uh, one spicy thing out for your listeners. I'm not going to say that Storm's leadership is just the better of the X-Men leaderships. I'm right. going to say that Storm's leadership is the best leadership in the game. Wow. Hands down with room I to like spare. That. Like, I think she is that good of a leader. That is That is my take so far. She certainly feels already in the top echelon, and I would almost agree with you. I haven't played her enough to guarantee or to lock this thought down, but what I do notice about Storm right off the bat is she's a ranged leader that costs three, as I just talked about Star-Lord, but better, and then her leadership's always happening. It's not some <laughs> sort of contingent thing, pay money to do X, you know, reduce this gain power when dealing attacks like it's always on it's always happening so you're right ominous that alone is already pretty scary so i do want to talk about weakness on her for just a minute the things where i've run into her being the weakest and you really have to keep okay. it in mind is the hardcore attackers that can get up close and attack at range two are rough for her and so that's something that we want to think about as this goes through because she's going to be our leader okay. like all the time we want to think about how are we going to keep storm going and what's the plan? Like, how is that going to work out? And sometimes that's her leadership. Like, you can teleport her after. Like, she can, like, blast, blast, and then, like, use her own leadership and, like, hop to a more defensible position outside of range four. So you've got some options. But that's something I think we need to keep in mind. So you brought up something really interesting. I like what you mentioned, how Storm can teleport herself. Something Chris and I talked about on the episode. Keep in mind, allied character. It also means the model that we're talking about with her ability, right? So... I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Omnis, how it's kind of like she's got these positional things for teammates, but also the current model you're referring to. It, it's it's not as restrictive as it seems, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like just about anybody can hop at any point in time. It's really, <laughs> it's quite strong. A two and a range one-ish. It's far and you have, yeah, you have Beast in there. You can easily put in other low cost characters with large base sizes like Groot. I, I'm not saying we're going to include Groot yet, but you've got a lot of options to really maneuver people. But when you just think about how often you're just like, I just want to get back onto the point or I just want to get right. just slightly out of range. Or how often do you need to like double move someone across the board to try to get them onto a point? And you're like, I'm just going to be shy by like a base width 
And suddenly your leadership can just fix that. And suddenly you're, you're scoring when you wouldn't be scoring. That stuff is this huge. Like her leadership can almost be a victory point every round in addition to granting cover. I like that. And yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the addition to granting cover because once again, it seems like her affiliation has two affiliations in one. Just seems so good. It's it's like the criminal syndicate on steroids because I got that vibe from them when they came out. They really felt like these are both really good. The second part's better, but I like that. And Storm's leadership is even better. So moving on from Storm, we got to talk about Cyclops. I know you've got some strong, spicy opinions on <laughs> Scott Summers. I spice and I'd like to hear him. Okay. So I'm going to say I absolutely want Scott in this list. And I ended up enjoying playing him more than I expected that I was going to enjoy playing him. But I'm going to say something that I don't think everyone wants to hear. And I think Scott has the worst leadership in the game. Wow. I don't think you want to use it. And I think it actively like makes you do bad decisions with X-Men because their spenders are all like, okay. And I've got some cool situations. I've ended up using some of the spenders more than I expected because there was some key situations, which we'll, which we'll get into. But like throw out an example, I ended up using Storm's leadership. Magneto was at two threat and I had swung things. So I was going to have priority and I used her AOE to deal one auto point of damage to him and then threw him into right. something to deal a second auto point to daze him with Love no it. dice needed. Like there's some cool stuff you can do, but. They're a superpower affiliation. Like their superpowers are how they're going to win games. And so I think the more that you spend power on spenders, the more that you're not using your builder attacks and the more that you're not having the power for your superpowers. And so I think Scott, it's best to probably not look at him as a leader, but I think he's one of the more crucial characters to the X-Men teams. Obviously, like a five dice range four is not crazy, right? That's not anything we're like, oh man, some crazy. But I mean, it's solid. It's an energy attack, right? That's solid, the weakest yeah. defense across the board. You'll see a lot of affiliations that like, say, for example, some affiliations really need to bring in an energy attacker. The use of field leadership is huge. He just like yes. has tactical analysis as a superpower <laughs> and tactical analysis <laughs> is a great card. And so I really, really like what he can do. And just like, you kind of just want to like fire off the optic blasts. Like, don't think about his spender that much. Just try to build power where you can soften people up, you know, just put them in threatening positions, build up that power. And I actually really like making more aggressive moves with him because he's actually pretty durable. The four, three, three plus access to cover. If they're not within range two, he's got six stamina on both sides. The cover's nice. Yeah. I actually want people, I want to like put people in positions where they, their most optimal target is Cyclops because he also, he can take the hit. I don't really care if he flips and when he's got the power and he just starts like, then suddenly you're like, I hit and run, blast someone, move backwards, catch a bunch of people in range. And now I just start shifting around because he can use it multiple times per turn. It's just only once per character. (laughs) Like I've had him do it to just like a bunch of different people and like get people back on the point. Like he can start doing some really crazy stuff if they start attacking him. So it's, it can put your opponent in a bad situation where they're like, well, I kind of have to attack someone. But do I want to attack Scott? Yeah, yeah. you're just like, well, he's my target. But anyway, I really like him. And um, this is going to be really key when we get to the tactics cards. The way that to me, my X-Men works is it's not just your leader that can play it. It is an X-Men with a leadership. Wow. So that's game changing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, say you're playing on a B map or something and you have Storm on one side and Cyclops on the other. Either one of them can play it to pull people into a different position. And it can really set up where you actually can move almost anyone on your team. 
And it's, it's great. Think about how many times you've played Avengers or something and you're like, well, I want to do this thing with like Black Panther, but I don't quite have enough to Avengers assemble and use mantle and use pounce. I'm like one short. What do I do? And the person who's activating doesn't have to be the one using it. (laughs) So very good. I know I was down on the card too when I first saw it, but I'm like, I'm going to try it. Like it's still a movement card, right? Yeah. I play tactical analysis. I play climbing gear. I play these cards all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Climbing gear is great. This is still potentially like it's a little less flexible, so you have to plan around it. But that's where I'm going to come back to time and time again, that X-Men is the positional player's dream. And the more that you like key positioning and you like getting characters into optimal spots and like just perfectly like I'm going to pull this character back and they're going to be just perfectly outside of your range, like all that kind of stuff. Man, X-Men do it in spades. And so I do think Cyclops is really critical. And he is often like my go-to second character because he amplifies the use of that tactics card. And he sets you up for really amazing plays at a certain point in the game. If he's taking damage, and you just get to shuffle people around. I love him. I hate his leadership, but I do really like Cyclops. So I do think he's critical. I like your hard stance on his leadership. That's pretty interesting. I'm not quite there where you were at, but I do understand your reasons for everything you're saying. I'm already really far over. Like I'm already in this position of, well, you're only going to take his leadership. I'm not sure on the number 10% of the time, 25% of the time, you know, if that, so it's a lot of crisis dependent things too, which obviously makes his leadership even less viable, but it is fun. So it's something we'll look at going forward. Real quick. If someone is super excited about Scott as a leader, or maybe you're just not excited about Storm, there are some interesting builds, but I think you're designing a totally different team than what we're doing today. So like, definitely, it's yeah. not really going to be super viable on this, but I think you guys should totally do an episode down the road that's all about the characters that would benefit from that leadership the most, like Ghost Rider. Penance there yes. is ridiculous. And so there's some of that stuff. That's not going to be the design of what, what I'm thinking about today. And so... But someone else may find a really good team for that, that for that specific team, it still works. Like there's great spots for just about everything. Oh, you're right. And just designing today around Storm is going to give us a whole different approach to the X-Men as it should be. This is what's so unique about this faction. They do have two leaders that are very different. So moving on from Storm and Scott, which of course are staples at seven points if you take them together. So now we've got some flexibility, but we have two more innate X-Men left. So where do you want to go first, Omnis? I really like Beast. He is also I a, do too. like a go-to for me. I know people have said that they're a little like less excited about his attacks. And there's some, some struggles with Beast. But overall, three-threat character who's got a two-cost throw. It's only range two and size two, but I'll take any throw I can get. I will too. Love any character with possible range three attacks because of things like Taskmaster and Okoye who have martial artists. Like anytime I can attack outside of range two, I'm a fan. Oh yeah. And that's his strike, right? So he does have the ambush thing that's not optional. So you do got to realize that like (laughs) wild, you may be like hopping into the mix, but you can also do cool things where like he hops in and then potentially like uses the storm leadership to like move himself back out of it. You you have some ways to play around it. So you just want to kind of keep that in mind. But overall, you know, a range three, five dice strike is very solid. Like it's a good builder attack. I like it. I like the fact that his spender, while is a feels like a little pricey at four. Yeah. The fact that it grants a movement can be really huge where there can be those times where he does like strike and you know then he teleports to the character with ambush 
But then you're just like, well, I built up a couple power. Now I'm going to like go for the days with, you know, his spender and like uses the medium move to move back to like a key point or something afterwards. Yeah. And let's not forget that before damage is dealt, push them short. Those float like a trigger on the wild. So yeah, he's got some things there too, where he can push people away because we always love pushing people before damage is dealt. It's always a big part of this game, but I love beast too. Omnis. I haven't got to talk about him on Fury's finest yet. Cause he's our next episode. Ooh, I've got sweet. a lot of interesting thoughts, but yeah, just 11 health for a three threat character. That's a medium move on a medium sized base. We've talked on Fury's finest about often how the medium base medium move characters are sometimes, sometimes people forget about that. Dr. Octopus is a good example where he's got quite a bit of movement shenanigans that you would not think. And then a beast of course is substantially strong on physical at four, but he's weak at energy and normal on mystic at three. So I think he's perfectly costed. And of course he benefits from storms latter part of her leadership a lot. The cover seems kind of oppressive with beast. If you're playing him, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think we talk about Valkyrie a lot, or at least I talk about Valkyrie a lot. And she often like, she has often more survivability than your average four threat character. And that's because of that six stamina beast has that, but then he's got a, you know, a fourth die on physical and then he's playing in X-Men. So he's going to have cover usually against the ranged attacks. And so I would rather have two dice with cover than three for sure. And so a lot of the time he he's more vulnerable against the up close physical attacks. And in that case, he's got four dice. The attacks that are going to benefit from cover are generally going to be longer range. And so that's why he's getting cover. And that's the the mystic and the energy. So he's fine there. And he's got rerolls. That's what I'm about to say. Yeah. The stars and garters. Yeah. He's got his own rerolls. So for really when push comes to shove... If you got the power, he can keep himself alive, right? Yep. And also, keep in mind, you don't always have to spend on the rerolls, but sometimes the rerolls make people like overcommit to him. And then you're like, yeah. sweet, I won't spend any to reroll. You dazed him. Great. I'm saving all this power for next round. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Beast and Hank McCoy. He's one of my favorite characters. And, you know, the older I get, I've said this on Furious Finest many times, you know, I've loved a lot of X-Men in the past, but the older I get, the more I realize just how much I just love Beast. And I think it's a sign of getting older. And it's a good sign. It's a good sign. He's a great character and he's on a lot of teams. You know, let's not forget to mention with the affiliation release from Talking Mask Games, it's been officially confirmed that he is an Avenger, which is something we were really excited about. And yeah, uh, Schick revealed on one of the painting streams. Might be my favorite three cost Avenger. I like that thought. Let's keep talking about him in X-Men. So one of the key things that I look for whenever I'm looking at an affiliation are who are the characters that can move to my opponent's crisis immediately round one without any benefit. And that's Beast. You know, he's the 50 millimeter base with a medium move. That means he can double move and get onto enemy secures and enemy extracts, the ones that are like just outside of their deployment zone. He's fast enough to get there and he's a wall crawler. So it's even harder to like inhibit him from getting there unless the terrain just happens to be in that right spot where he can't land optimally. And so that's, I think, also very critical. You kind of need some of that because you can't teleport everyone every round. And so having a character that's just a little bit faster than normal is pretty key. So I think a lot of team construction will probably center around these initial three. I'm a big fan of that. And we obviously need to move into the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> that's Logan Wolverine. So talking about Logan, he's actually one of the characters I started proxying early on before we actually had the X-Men, just because I'm a huge fan of the character. And I really like how they made him so thematic and so strong within MCP, but also balanced. He does have his weaknesses. So what are your thoughts on this on, of course, bringing Logan in our 
10 because I think that's obvious, but what are your thoughts on how he fits in this list going forward? Overall, Wolverine is one of the few that I'm kind of medium on so far. I don't have any negative opinions. I don't have any really high opinions of him so far. And maybe it's that he is defensive enough that he hasn't really gotten hit enough to really like see some of those benefits. And the few attacks that I've made with him, like nothing too special has really come up, but still a durable character. And seven health is yes. seven health for four threat is a really key number. And so that I like. And I know people are really scared of, say, like a Modoc taking him down, but he's got cover and seven health. And that all adds up. Like it is not unreasonable to get one success on your two dice. You're not going to get it every time, but one success. And then if the other one can be cover, suddenly you're blocking two and you've got you know, seven stamina. That's not Modoc's favorite situation by any means. So he's solid and he, he, but he's got some key stats that I still think heavily benefit X-Men. Well, and the healing factor too, we can't discredit it. Yeah. Though it does need to happen at the end, you know, end of your activation, which is pretty important, but you mentioned he has seven on his healthy side. I mean, you add that plus the healing factor. There's some number that's potentially higher than seven if you're playing him right. <laughs> so, and I'll leave that to the math guys. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah, for in sure. This game. You know, we've got so many of these days. If you play him on deadly meteors and he rolls a skull on the deadly meteor, he'll heal the damage back at the end of the round. <laughs> So cool. Get in there. Yeah. There's some really cool interactions that are less, less brawly that he still, still help him. But so I, I still think he's potentially a core element in the team, but I think this is okay. a flexible spot that if we're, we get to a certain point in the roster and we like, we need a lower threat cost, like maybe we flex him to taskmaster or something. But I, I, right now I think we, we stick with him in and then go from there. So where I usually like to go at this point, as I start thinking about with the strength of the team, what sort of crisis do they want to force? And so that will kind of start answering some of the questions because there's so many great characters to include, right? Right. My initial testing has led me to feel that I think they actually really, really like their own crisis. The mutant madman that comes with it. I can see that. Yep. They are overall above average physical defense and they've got a tactics card that helps them interact for free for a round. And so you you have a lot of ability for them to kind of behave like as guardians. And I think they also like having one leader on each side of the board. So you can to me my X-Men from either side. And so I I do like Mutant Madman. So that's kind of my first thought where I'm like, okay, I want to start building out some mutant madman teams. Well that's 18 threat for the listener at home. So we can start thinking as I'm just said, building teams in that direction, but 18's pretty high in this game. And, you know, just so far with Storm and Scott, we have seven. You add Beast, it's 10. Let's say you add Logan, that's 14. You still have four left. But of course, if you didn't go Wolverine, you would just have eight points, right? Yeah. So you have some flexibility. And I do think they have a lot of benefit to running the additional X-Men because of the way their tactics cards work. Yes. I, I like to me my X-Men the most. I end up liking it a little bit more than first class, but first class is still potentially a really solid card. And so it can be in the conversation, but there's a couple ways that I have noticed that I feel like we can build out. I think you can play this with two, two threats if you want to. 
You're speaking my language. I've been on the two, two threat train for a while because it gives me a lot of flexibility and it's also fun. I I like the little specialized two threats in the game. I I think it's fun. Yeah. And so I I have to mention my girl first. I will admit that I was waiting. Yeah. I almost don't build rosters without her. I almost think there are very few rosters that I don't think should include (laughs) Okoye. I will say I think Okoye is the best character in the game. And so of the twos, I want to put in Okoye and a big part of that is as we were talking about earlier with Storm, I feel like when you have Storm and Okoye together, that is this great five-threat combination where it's, one, it can be really easy for Okoye to build up power for you to like advance R&D onto all of the, you know, the X-Men that want additional power generation, can bodyguard for Storm. And you can do this weird stuff where like, because of your key positioning, if someone moves in to get into range two of Storm and then you bodyguard, like if Okoye is in range two, then she's getting counting blanks. But if she's outside of range two, she's getting cover and you know, you can extend her and extend her life. And then also if she's within range two, that gives Storm a hop, like she can like, Ooh, a hop over here, blast you. You know, it, it just all synergizes really well. And so I don't think anyone who's ever heard me as like is not expecting that. But I think the other slot... I've got an idea for the other slot. There's, I think there's yeah. two really strong options. I tried it with Wong, and I will admit I really liked it, and I haven't been huge on Wong, but I really liked what Wong can do with, um, one, topping off characters, right? Because I like to get Scott beat up, and so if I have Wong on Scott's yep. side, and then like Scott takes a blast, and then I'm like, I'm gonna heal him too, like keep, like just let people feed him power, and so I'll just like heal him, but then also like Wong, it's really easy for Wong to like activate, move, meditate, like give someone a power, and all the X-Men when they can be hitting that three power on turn two is pretty big. But okay. But Wong's only too physical, so he's not great in that respect. And so I right. do think Toad is actually an, an excellent two threat for them as well. He's pretty fast. He's got some good maneuverability. I've been really impressed with seeing Toad on the table. I think Incinerate kind of like amplifies all these characters. All the X-Men love attacking an incinerated character. That's where the math really tweaks in their favor. And any of these characters who spike and get like three damage on a builder suddenly are like, what? Let's do this. (laughs) X-Men assemble. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's so true. And so I think either of those, I think that we kind of could leave as a flex spot. And I think that's one where, Was that what you were kind of thinking or did you have a different one in mind? I definitely had Toad in mind because of Storm's leadership, because of the cover, because of the teleport. He's already such a mobile character grabbing objectives. He's just an obvious choice. Obviously, you know, there's some fun thematics here too. You know, Toad's had his stints of of being good and things like that. So I'd like all that. I knew you were going to say Okoye. I just was going to let it happen. (laughs) I understand and and do enjoy Okoye. Like she is, as you said, so consistent, arguably one of the strongest two threats in the game. But, you know, also sometimes when I'm in a bind, I do just grab a Black Widow for consistency and a Rocket for fun. So not that they necessarily fit this team quite as well, but I do think Black Widow is probably completely fine and a good pick as well. But, you know, Rocket might not fit the team as well. Though that does sound fun having <laughs> Rocket and Scott on different parts of the board and you're just kind of like, where do you want to go? Do you just want to get shot by long range yep. energy attacks? It's something to think about. I think Toad's probably an auto include. I do like your thoughts on Wong as a flex. 
something I want to think about going forward because Wong is really fun. I think you think you mentioning Widow is still valuable too. I think Widow syn- still synergizes really well with Storm. You yeah. know, having another stealthy character where you can stealth skew on one side of the board is still really nice. She's got martial artist. And so the, the weirdness of like, if you're attacking me from outside martial artist, I've got cover. But if you get like it. within range two, then I'm counting blanks. She's got reasonable physical defense too yeah. for a two threat. It's solid and she is, has no problem like using her power to just keep interacting. And so, and she can generate auto power off of her pistols. And so that is also, I think, really, really key for some of these two threats where especially if you want to go do something aggressive and you don't mind sending her like all the way to your opponents right away. I would not necessarily be opposed yeah. to be like, I'm going to just, Black Widow's just going to double move. And she's going to like flip the mutant madman on your side and enjoy the traps. Let's see what you can do and just like make things as difficult for you as possible. So I, I like Widow too. I, I could see reason if maybe she fit into some of the other team builds better than the other two. I would still be willing to keep that one in consideration. Absolutely. And we keep mentioning mutant madman. And I, and I realize I haven't told the listeners yet what it says. It's valuable reading for us as we make the list, but also for you at home listening. So you set up four traps on the map on map B, of course, and players score one VP for each trap they control during the cleanup phase. But where it gets really spicy is there's interact trap roll dice equal to the interacting character's physical defense. If the roll contains more, more crits, wilds, and hit results than the number of healthy contesting enemy characters. The interacting character's controlling player now controls the trap. During cleanup, each player controlling a trap chooses an enemy character within range two of each trap they control. The chosen character suffers one damage and gains one power. Resolve each trap completely before moving on to the next trap. That's the context we're in right here. And I think, yeah, as you said, Omnis, like Widow... She fits that role quite well. It's actually pretty annoying, especially with <laughs> Storm's leadership. I'm a big fan. So just to recap what we have so far, we have Storm, Cyclops, Beast, Wolverine, and then we have two two slots. One is probably a Koye, and then we also have the third slot, which could very well be, which I would say probably in a, you know descending order, Toad. Widow, Wong, choose the flavoring you want. Yeah, for sure. All of them are are viable, and I think the rest of the as we pick some of the other tactics cards and stuff later on. So usually where I go from here, all right, so maybe I have a core team. Four slots left. Yeah, so I've got a kind of a core team that I like here, so six characters, but I like start wanting to like play it out. What am I going to do in some other threat levels? And so what happens when we play it at, say, 17? Like, say you look at your opponent's roster and you're like, oh, well, they picked right. cubes or something spider infected, whatever. And you think that you can build a better madman team at 17 than they can build at 17. Whereas they can build like a decent one at 18. So start looking, okay, well at that point, I think we really are looking at like something's changed into three threat, right? Either the two twos are becoming a three or Wolverine's becoming a three, but Wolverine would have to be taskmaster to make that work, which is potentially fine. The other, obviously I think another really great pick right here can be Valkyrie. I mean, she's really solid. She's another one that can be in just about any roster. And, you know, having another defensive tech and the ability for her to teleport, it all it all synergizes pretty well. It does. And I think Valkyrie can be really key for some counterplay for other people's plans. So I think we kind of can keep that as a flexible spot. And then one of the big things goes, okay, well, what do, what are we doing if we go up to 19? And that's where I think, okay, if we're doing that right, maybe one of these twos like Toad becomes a Valkyrie 
right? Yes. And so we're already kind of good in 19. And then if we're going to go up to 20, like say someone drops alien ships on us, say you're playing against Morgan playing, you know, Black Order, which is really good, by the way. And yeah. they, he picks that. And so it's like Mad Men and alien ships. What are you going to do? And so who do you like most? If we like kind of want some of the higher physical defense characters, do you have another fourth threat that you really like for this sort of strategy? Does anything jump out at you? Four threat character. I like where we're going here because currently, just to recap, we have the two twos and three threes if we include Valkyrie, right? Storm, Beast, Valkyrie, and then of course the two fours in Cyclops and Logan, but reaching into the four threat bag. So there's a lot of good four threats in the game, right? This is a problem we come up to a lot. And the question here is, are we going fully into the physical defense? Are we going something that's a little bit more niche? Maybe these are good questions to have. We could get real spicy here. We could throw out a green goblin. We just want to get spicy for some reason. Character I like a lot over the year of MCP that's kind of been around in a lot of my rosters. That's kind of, I feel like sometimes she disappears as Hella because the 444 is just respectable. But I don't know if those characters are necessarily fitting what you've kind of set up for us here, Omnis, which I agree with positioning and physical threat. So my gut wants to say maybe a Kingpin. I can see that. And Kingpin was on my mind. But one of the other things here is I would like to get another character in here that's capable of moving onto my opponent's secures right away. Right? I was someone. Okay. And Good so point. some characters that come to mind here, I actually think, you know, that Sabretooth is only a three. But if we decide to run exceptional healing, like being able to choose to run two characters that can use it, make it really hard for your opponent to not put you into a position to take advantage of it. And Sabretooth's fast. I'm a fan of that. I think their cards are good. They're mini affiliation. Yep. The healing factor. And if we decide to go with a, like an extract plan where maybe we want to abuse cubes, right. And have multiple characters that all heal the cube damage back the following turn. There's some, there's some synergy there. But there's some other long movers. I think I think you could consider Daredevil. Of course. Like, I think this is, I mean, he's, I think he's solid. I don't think he's exceptional, but he does lack a charge. And so this can be one of the affiliations that helps tweak that a little bit. But he is, I mean, it's also like these characters are like heavily on the physical attacks, which can be a little, you're like, mm, I don't know. But Daredevil's fast. He's pretty durable. He counts blanks of successes. And you're like, you add cover in there. You know, you you have a really solid overall defensive character and he can really punish people for attacking him. So I like that. I think Black Panther is another fast one who could fit. So I think we could just kind of any other like kind of like I'm thinking like medium base and medium movement, like 50 millimeter base, medium movement. So Hella, like that you mentioned, I think is also a solid potential here and i think she's another character you give her cover yeah she doesn't move anyone but i think that's potentially okay yeah i just i'm just thinking of her four across the board with cover with storms teleport when you need it it just seems actually pretty interesting yeah i mean i think you could consider ultron for this spot i know he doesn't get a lot of love but he should get more love you know i hadn't thought about it until just now if we felt like we had the space for age of ultron right oh man like just like hypothetically this is kind of something for us to keep in the the back of our head let's keep this going (laughs) yeah i like this ultron has for physical defense he's like overall solid physical there's a lot of people that love throwing modok at you and so if you can position ultron across the other side where he's counting why Wilds is doubles. He gets cover from like, there's a lot of benefit there. And I think he's a character that if you like double move onto your opponent's point, because he is medium and 50 millimeter base, 
and he flies. But I think we think if we really wanted Ultron to work, I think we probably need to be able to fit in Age of Ultron. So that might be a question down the road when we think about tactics cards. Okay. Well, just to recap, yeah, I think we've got Valkyrie in the three slot, and then we've got potentially several options in the four slot that are either larger bases or faster movers. So the faster movers, of course, are the Sabretooths and the Daredevils, but then we've got the Ultrons and the Hellas. I am a unashamed Ronin fanboy. <laughs> yeah. I know he doesn't have four physical defense, but he is quite an interesting character that deals out a lot of control in the battle. I do like him too. I think Ronin's a consideration here. You can see we're running into a lot of interesting things with these four threats. I mentioned Green Goblin earlier with, with flight, medium-sized base. Problem with Goblin is the problem everybody experiences. Like If he doesn't get to his backside, I, I don't feel like you get as much value out of him as you want off of his card, unfortunately. But he is a good person just to throw it there. Yeah, and I don't think he... I don't think he's bad for this this slot that we're talking about, this kind of aggressive move onto your opponent's secure extract plan. I mean, one advantage if we were doing Hela, she's one that can potentially like move up, potentially grab an extract and move on to someone's. Like there's some cool things that she can do having two. But uh, I think all of those are, are reasonable. I think if someone really wanted to play Goblin in that slot, I don't think there's a problem. But I think you need to play him aggressively. He is one. He's got to be the character that is like going up and do, like doing something like he should probably be on your opponent's side of the board, is my opinion. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Well, and it's interesting to compare him side by side with Ultron and Hello because they all are medium size medium movers that can be really aggressive, but they've all got strengths and weaknesses as we know, you know, and you want to do similar thing with Ultron, especially if we go the age of Ultron route, but still a little bit different than Goblin. Yep. So we've potentially got two slots to fill out. And so I think we've got a good plan for pretty much any threat level of mutant madmen. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of solid secures for us to choose from. Like, I feel like this team potentially likes Infinity Formula. I think they actually do pretty well on spider portals. So I think in general, we're going to be able to build secures for this team without issue. So I think now we're kind of looking at what counters what the opponent wants to potentially throw at us. And so Gamma Wave always comes to mind, like, what am I going to do in Gamma Wave (laughs) when people want to force it on me? And I want to make sure I have a plan because I like punishing people who choose that direction. Um, I like that because, yeah, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, people love it. I mean, you look at the TTS finals and like TTS finals season two, Gamma Wave, TTS finals season three, Gamma Wave. Like, it's not going away. So interesting. I feel like I'm in the minority. I, I really do enjoy higher threat. Yeah battles and i know that's not normally picked especially 18 and above people just kind of stray away from it i personally always pick it because it gives me some of this freedom you and i are talking about right now of this character could be this or this character be this flex spot that could be one of these two or three or four characters that's where the player that's strong at playing 18 19 and 20 really shines because they can really pick one of these things we're talking about that only fit maybe those situations yep I think there I think there's a lot of lot of good options to consider there. We're right at that two slots left. We could go one big number here. <laughs> we really could. Um not a big big number, but I mean there's considerations, right? Yep, for sure. You mentioned gamma, so So if I were to try to build what I think is my optimal gamma team with like if I wanted to if I really knew that my opponents were going to try to force it on me a lot, I think Storm Beast Taskmaster and then Valkyrie and Shuri would be like, like my most worried. If I thought I was going to have to play it a lot, that would probably be 
the team construction. So that is something that if we decided to add Taskmaster and Shuri to round it out, that I think gives us a really strong sure. Gamma team, but I don't think you're required to play that. It's just kind of a question of like, how much do you think you're going to have to play in it? Because I do think Storm and Beast provide a great baseline, and I think you still can play Cyclops as a four there. He's solid in Gamma. And so you could do Valkyrie and Okoye to kind of round it out, I think is perfectly solid. And so we don't, yeah, we don't have a bad, it's definitely not one where I want to force it and I'm not feeling super comfortable. But for the listeners, I think if you, if you wanted to round out the last two slots with Taskmaster and Shuri, I think that's absolutely viable. But since we do have a plan, that's something where I think you could test out the roster and then tweak this stuff later. Maybe I might start with a couple of things. I do just really like Doctor Strange and X-Men. That is interesting. Yeah, elaborate on that because I was thinking we might want a five in here. It could be Strange. It could be Thor. We could get crazy and go Magneto. Well, Magneto's a six. I do think Magneto is a good X-Men. He likes being teleported around for sure. He definitely does not mind having cover. And so it's really a question of like how comfortably does a six fit in in your math? But I do think so. Doctor Strange is interesting because he loves double attacking. He likes pushing people off points. He can be both a great combination of damage output and control, which is kind of feels like the jam for X-Men. He can crank up their defensive tech kind of across the board. He also has some great synergy with cover where he gets to generate power when he rolls a block and cover changes the dice to a block. (laughs) So it means. Anytime you attack Strange, he's generating a power. So you kind of give him like the reverse of Red Skull's leadership where he doesn't need to deal damage. But it's like, if you attack me, I gain a power, like in addition to whatever else you do. That's good. So I think he's a really solid choice that really benefits from leadership. And so if you like having one of the bigger characters, I think Doctor Strange is really solid. And he's just good in so many different prices. I really like him. But I mean, I think you could do Thor here. He obviously does not mind having cover. I think you may want to play him a little bit more, keeping him at range and not just charging him in. But I think he's a great character in this plan of like, hey, I'm going to move up, flip, you know, a madman. I've got a bunch of power and I'm like really threatening. Do you want to get close to me? He's a really scary character that if he does go up on your opponent's point and they trap him for one damage, which isn't optional if he's there. And so you give him another power. A lot of times going from two to three power is a really critical number for him. So I do think Strange or Thor is perfectly solid in that spot. Absolutely. Is there anyone in particular that you would like rounding out the team with? Because we kind of have like nine slots kind of set. We do. Yeah, I think maybe the last slot could be a three slot. This is my gut. That was what I was going to say, too. I I like a three there. My gut feeling when I need to fill out a roster these days, that's a three. I start with Taskmaster and work from there. I do think Taskmaster is obviously good in X-Men because sometimes he does struggle getting in that range too, that Storm helps him accomplish that. Him with cover seems pretty obnoxious. As we talked about earlier, certain characters obnoxious. Once again, we have that quasi martial artist thing going on. Once again, if we take the Black Widows, if we take the Equays, if we take the Taskmasters of the world, we're really making our opponent really frustrated because we're getting consistent defense no matter what we roll essentially unless we just get skulls all day it means we could keep playing six characters even at 17 too that's pretty wild we can still go storm cyclops beast and then go taskmaster and then okoye and toad and i'm a fan of that taskmaster is not like the best attacker in the game 
right? Coming into a new era of a lot more cover. And Taskmaster has two attacks that ignore cover. His shield throw, right? It's pretty good. It just ignores cover. It says that right on the rule. But the second ability also says it ignores cover, but it's hidden. It says your opponent cannot modify his defense dice, <laughs> which also means you don't benefit from cover because that's modifying your defense dice. And so his cool right. spender, his two costs like wreck your face spender on Magneto, Magneto wants no part of that. <laughs> yeah. And so not being able to modify dice can be really rough for people that are like want to benefit from cover or depending on Shuri rerolls, you know, for survival. So there's lots of options there. I do think for the listeners, if you didn't want to do Taskmaster in that spot, I actually think Mystique could work as well. You beat me to it, yeah. It's just yeah. kind of a question. I, I would think that would be like, do you have room for deception? If you have room for deception, then I think you should be considering Mystique. If you don't, I like Taskmaster. Mystique is faster. I like that she's speed long. I think Taskmaster is really solid for that spot. And we were already considering him earlier. And so I think that, that does some nice things. I do wish if we're going to go to Taskmaster, there's a part of me that wants to switch, switch either the, the five slot or the four slot to another three because it'll allow us to run five threes at 15. And so that's a lot. And I just really like having just like really five dependable threes. And so do we just think that we don't need a five for this team? These are good questions. These are hard. Yeah. I'm not sure because I, I'm really intrigued by our strange Thor idea because they seem really good in X-Men, but you're right. If we go really wide with X-Men and everybody has cover, it seems like the more characters you go, not necessarily Swarm, but a good amount of characters you have benefit from Storm's cover more, right? Yeah. We could drop the four, right? Because now we have Taskmaster that potentially fits in to the fourth slot that gives us a little bit more flexibility with how we're spending. Because if we do the four X-Men, right, that's 14. And so if we were to play at 20 or something, right, we can just go Valkyrie and Taskmaster, should we want to, or the other three right. that we pick. And so that's good. If we play it at 19, right, we can easily do a 14, a three, and then a Koye. So we're good there. If we play Taskmaster in that spot, we're playing with 13. If we play at 19, we just pick like a couple of threes. If you play at 20 and you did Storm, Cyclops, Beast, Taskmaster, we could actually play seven at 20. We could do a Koye, Toad, Valkyrie. So that seems really wow. good too. So maybe we can drop the other four. Maybe we don't need that four and we could work in a Gwen. We could assure he doesn't like really sync with our plan, but she might round out like some kind of like some counterplay for some of the things that opponents like to bring. So I think the characters I'd like most for that slot, I like, I like Miles. I like Gwen. I like Shuri. I kind of like Dr. Octopus. He's a three with four physical defense, yep. right? He's also fast. He's a medium. And he's got a throw. I'm a and fan. when he rolls crits, he gets extra power. So he could also generate power off of interacting. So I think Doc Ock is still in consideration for me. I don't hate Drax either. I think that spot is super flexible. I think I like that other three. Instead of the four. Yeah, I, I don't think we need that four. Like there's not really a specific build that that jumps out to me. I think it's fine with me because I'm actually trying to get away from doing so many fours. Yeah. I feel like it's a trend we all get into because there's a lot of fun and good fours in the game, but maybe if you kind of stick to the main fours you're doing and then give yourself a lot of flexibility with the threes and twos, you've got a lot of good spots. Okay. So you brought up Gwen and I'm glad you mentioned miles because I was going to say miles. I think miles is a really strong consideration here too, because what you were mentioning earlier, someone who can get across the map, get to objectives, 
you know, be annoying. Miles has stealth plus Storm's affiliation. So he's got all sorts of things going on. He also just helps you, like, if you're getting ahead in the secure game and they're trying to, like, take advantage of some sort of extract plan, just having Venom Strike in your bag. Oh, absolutely. It's pretty strong. So this is a hard spot because Miles and Gwen are two of my favorite threes in the game that I play quite frequently, just purely for fun and my play style. So maybe it is the player's choice, as you mentioned here, Omnis. Like, we've got Gwen, Miles, Doc Ock, potentially, maybe a Shuri for counterplay. There's options. For sure. I mean, one of the advantages, if we went Doc Ock or Drax, they can't throw as often, but they also have that they're both um, higher stamina characters right? Doc Ock has a total of 11. Drax has a total of 12. Drax has invulnerability. Maybe the invulnerability plus cover doesn't average out as well, right? But he could still be kind of rough to attack. Gwen and Doc Ock are the faster ones that could make plays for your opponent's side too. That's something to keep in mind. Well, let's kind of like, let's kind of leave that there. We can finalize it later. We should like, let's knock out some tactics cards. We at least got a like a base idea where we're going with that. Okay. I really like to me my X-Men. I do think with the way that we're building, we're going to run Storm and Cyclops in like 80 plus percent of our games. And so I think there's very little sure. reason to not have to me my X-Men. I think first think class right, yeah. synergizes with our game plan really well, right? Giving you free interacts on these secures. Oh, it does. Yeah. And so, but then you start getting some really hard questions. Like who, what do we like out of the restricted cards? <laughs> Cover doesn't yeah. help against throws. Like, do we want Brace? I'm not a huge field dressing person, but I do actually like it with X-Men. I like it a lot with Logan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or even Beast. Even Beast, like we talked about, when Beast gets unlucky and he didn't get to do all the Beast things he wouldn't do that turn. You know, this is the insurance. This is the worst case scenario, field dressing. Obviously, there's better case scenario field dressings, but... I've always been a big fan of it, but the problem is right now, of course, with with the list, as you mentioned, it really does narrow it down. If you take field dressing, which I do frequently, you're kind of just limited to leaning into that patch up or med pack. Cause I don't necessarily know if you take field dressing with braces. It's been something I've been trying out lately and thinking about. I'm still not fully set either way. I feel like you need a healing card either way. I think we can skip patch up because I think patch up is better with the big fives that you're going to be playing all the time, right? If you're going to force Modoc all the time or something, then I like patch up more. This team, I feel like we're going to play six characters a lot. And so I don't think we're going to have a lot of good spots for patch up. And so I think for the listeners, I think you play some combination of field dressing, breaks, med pack, and then maybe play around with it for the time being. Let's say field dressings in, and then we just think about brace or med pack. We have those four slots picked. I do really like disarm. I love Disarm, and I have a really hard time not including it. And I think with this many characters and, like, moving on to your opponent's points and, like, trying to force them to come to yours, I think it's going to be really easy to get off good Disarm plays. Like, I just, I can't imagine this team composition doesn't mess someone up with Disarm on a key turn. I couldn't agree more. And that would put us at five, which I don't know if you want to do three cards of Spice left, but... You know, I like Children of Adam because it's free. I don't know if it's necessarily the spice in this moment, but I, I think we have to look at the healing factor cards. Mini affiliation is what I've been dubbing it for consideration, especially we kind of X'd out the saber tooth possibility in that four. Mm-hmm. So it would just be Wolverine. So you're right. It might not make the cut, but I don't know, like exceptional healing. I just like it, and especially with what we're doing. We're positioning things. We're holding points. We're, we're moving models around with cover. Exceptional healing seems 
really, really oppressive to the enemy if it's done right. I mean, it's it's a Odin's blessing for yeah. Logan. And if you really want to put him out there, put him in a really dangerous spot, you have the confidence in it, right? I'm not opposed to it. I think what we should do, let's talk through some couple other options and see if there's any other key cards that we think we want. And then we can kind of decide from there okay. if anything else is critical. I do like Blind Obsession in general. I'm not sure this team desperately needs it. Team doesn't require attacks. It's got some good targets for it, but also we've got a lot of characters that want to spend power on other things. So it, it's an option. It's just one yeah. I like to think about. Well, in Blind Obsessions, frequently a card that I grab pretty often, it just as my base default cards when I'm building certain lists. And then, of course, I'll, I'll trim it away if it doesn't need to be there. But it, it's just fun card, you know, especially when you're on one of those objectives, isolated away from the rest of the team. It's an obvious time to play it, you know, when, when you've got it and things like that. So I'm interested. But it also doesn't jump out at me. It's not one where I'm like, oh, yeah, I just natural okay. synergies. We do have a lot of characters that you amplify their boulders and start giving them some power, and it's definitely good. It doesn't jump out at me. Like right now, I feel like so many of my teams are going to use the five cards that we started with. Like I feel like the first five, I'm like, that's going to be most of mine. So what situations do I want something else? Face me is a card I like a lot. I know it's probably going to get overshadowed by deception now with access to mystique Correct. the fact that i even want to consider face me is saying maybe maybe one of the last spots could be mystique but i like face me a lot and this team having cover and potentially like interesting there's a lot of characters in here that if um if you use face me on them they like they if you attack them and give them a couple of power during their activation that can be crazy. What do, what do you think about face me in this one? I like your idea. It makes sense with our team. They're so tanky in a weird way because we're going so heavy in the physical defense. I have not used face me enough to be fully confident. in it. It's not that it hasn't made my eight cards. It's just that it frequently, as you said, never makes the five. It's a sleeper card, but I think you're right. When it's used correctly, it's terrifying because it just completely pulls someone away from their plans. But also when it goes wrong, it goes wrong too. So, and you're making me want to lean to Mystique. We're getting a little <laughs> of that X-Men theme yeah, going too, you know? I mean, Raven's had her time. I was course. hoping Mystique was going to be an X-Men too. I thought maybe we get the dual affiliation. No, we didn't get it. Maybe one point really fits in. Another one that I just like to think about is Hired Muscle. It's just a really cool techie card. That it is could be really impactful since we don't have anything that's like, oh, we have to fit it in. I think when you can have the option for hired muscle, it's really cool. What do you think about that one is one of our slots? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, depending on what scenario we're playing on, it's obviously one that you feel confident in choosing when you choose your five types cards. And that's when you do it too. So it's one I've seen some pretty cool stuff. And maybe depending on what crises we pick, it's kind of lean us in the direction of if that one's worth it, I, I'm writing it down here as an option. I think it's worth looking at. Another one, this one I have really liked in X-Men. And this is probably I've liked it in X-Men more than I've liked it in any other affiliation. Advanced R&D a lot. Especially yeah. like Okoye yeah. is such a great character, but she also doesn't spend her power super well. And I think you're like, oh, well, I have the two. Like there's there's a lot of times that if she gets beaten up, then she gets a bunch of power, but then she doesn't have any great use for it. And so when she can just like dump a bunch of power and give all of these awesome characters, like if we're playing a six wide team, right, and Okoye gets to give out five power, that's that's a game changing card more so than a lot of other ones. I like advanced R&D for this team quite a bit. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same. It, it's safe. And not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's always going to work, especially with this team. Like we said, if you're not using Scott's leadership, I mean, you're using advanced R&D the right way and getting cover from Storm and movement. I mean, it, it's all going to work. So I think it needs to probably be an auto include because it's not as niche as these other things we've thrown out there, you know? How do you feel about all you've got? That's another really just solid card in general. We don't have any like really crazy uses for it, but we also have characters that we're going to be willing to sacrifice later on. I like it. I mean, it's won me a lot of games. We've got a lot of targets that really benefit from going a second time. And like you said, if we go super wide or not even super wide, if we go wide, do we really care if someone's dazed or KO'd at a crucial moment? Probably not, right? And we have a lot of characters with throws and stuff too. So I think when you get a double activation and someone has throws and the good attacks, you combine like a turn of good attacks and throws with another turn of good attacks and throws. They can do a lot of things potentially. So I think all you got is always a consideration going forward. I think it's actually a potential to be on the, the restricted list in the future. Just the <laughs> thought I have, I don't know if it will. It seems always like something that can work if you know how to play the game at a certain level or higher. So not that all teams are stellar with it, but it just seems like a good card. I mean, you know, we're not widow bombing here. We're doing something different, you know, with all you got. I think that's viable. Okay. Well, let's, let's just, uh, let's tentatively have it on. I've got the four auto includes. So we've got field dressing and then we've got brace or med pack first class. And to me, my X one, that's four. If we go disarm, that's five and we go advance R and D. That's and then six. all you've got could be seven. Another one I want to mention is like, I do think no matter the cost has some cool uses in this team. Obviously it's definitely synergizes well with Wolverine, but I don't know how often he makes the team. I feel like it's probably 60% of the time. If I were just like roughly guess, Okay. But it's not bad for Beast. It's not bad for Valkyrie. Like, even Toad might use it, right? Yeah. Could then Taskmaster could potentially use it. If we play Miles, like, Miles could potentially use it. I'm a fan. It's one of my favorite cards, so you're preaching the fire <laughs> here. When a good player knows when to use their big attack, they're ready. Because that card, essentially, once again, we're looking at a card that's basically free, you know, if all things considered done the right way. So... I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. I think it's good with this team. I mean, like you said, Scott can take a beating. Logan can take a beating. I mean, we've got beast who's got high health. And like you said, even a clutch toad moment, or if we go miles, yeah. Venom blast with miles in a clutch moment. And some of the other ones I normally would consider like climbing gear and tactical analysis. I really don't think are necessary. So much movement shenanigans. Yeah. We've got Scott and we've got, of course, two X-Men cards that, our movement shenanigans. So it seems like we're putting too many eggs in the movement basket if we go there. Okay. So we've got the two healing cards. We've got first class to me, my X-Men. If we go disarm, that's number five for sure. I'm pretty more, I'm more for sure on advanced R&D and maybe even no matter the cost than I am disarm, though I do like disarm in this list what's trying to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I like disarm quite a bit. I'm, I almost always regret when I don't take it, but okay. we're also not going to have priority much because we're going to go pretty wide. So it's their big attacker is probably still going to get to fire off. Good point. You know, there's this spread out aspects of the table and like you, there's usually a point in the game where they want to like, there's two activations that are really key and they only get to do one of them. And then you get to completely nerf the other one. And so I do like the idea of leaving disarm in. And I still like Blind Obsession. We haven't talked about it in a minute. Yeah. It's strong. It's certainly an option, but I think some of the other ones stand out to me as a little bit more exciting. So of the last two slots, let's say we we keep in advanced R&D. 
So we have two two more slots. All you've got, Children of the Atom, No Matter the Cost, and Exceptional Healing were the ones we were most excited about. Which Correct. of those two stand out the most to you for those last two slots? The smart player in me says, all you've got, no matter the cost, but the exciting player <laughs> in me maybe says, all you've got and exceptional healing. But like you said, we need to factor in, we cut Sabretooth and how much is Wolverine going to make the list? If he uh, makes the list 60% or more, like you said, that's that's a pretty high number, but even if it's just 60%, he's not going anywhere, you know? He's really not going anywhere, so if we go this route. So I'm interested. I think we want him to get attacked though. I don't think he's a character that we, we want to like spend a tactics card slot to increasingly say like, you really don't want to waste attacks on this guy. I think he, we kind of, we might want to leave him attacked. I mean, it's something that could change down the road for sure. And yeah. I mean, like children of the Adam doesn't jump out at me. Like maybe down the road when there's like Xavier or like Phoenix or something where you have a really bomb character that you definitely don't want to be hindered by a stagger or something. But Wolverine already can't be stunned. He can't be staggered on his injured side. Storm can't be shocked. Well, obviously, I wouldn't mind having it to remove incinerate like in demons and that sort of thing. But I just, just don't think it's it's critical. Like if we put it on the list, I don't feel like I'm going to take it very often. Maybe if I knew I was playing against defenders on demons, then maybe I take it. But that's a really good team. Like yeah. that's that is a very reasonable team to play against a lot. Maybe that is a strong enough thing that it's worth considering just on that alone. That's a good point. Yeah. And I honestly think X-Men like the demon portals for the most part. I don't think they hate it, but I'm not sure they're good enough at it compared to the people who do love it. That makes sense. Yeah. They can handle it. It's not the worst. If we did those base four and we maybe did advanced R&D as number five, and that leaves, of course, as we said, all you've got, no matter the cost, maybe, and then one more potentially we've given people enough options that i think with someone is trying to settling into our roster they have like a few cards to play around with i'm gonna pick disarm and no matter the cost yep. and all you've got as the last three i like this i think that yeah. works for me and so i know we're running long but i think we should pick the crisis cards so at least the listeners have kind of a baseline and so i think the mutant madman crisis right that one is great right i think this team is really built for it and wants to force it and i think we're almost, almost as good at spider portals, right? Yes. It is energy defense there, but we're less penalized by that movement shift of rolling a skull, right? And Beast, if he rolls a skull, he gets an extra power. So it's like, it kind of works out there too. I mean, mind you, he's not that he might be one that you leave off there. And I think the team is also really good on infinity formula. I was going to say the same. Yeah. A question I had for you is that how do you think this team responds to Mayor Fisk? It's really not bad. Like we have so many characters. Yeah. We can just split uh, two that teams. That does make me come back to like, board. maybe mm, is Mayor Fisk. Are we good enough in Mayor Fisk to force it? I think we might be. Yeah. We're wide enough and resilient. But if we're going to do that, that makes me think hired muscle gets in. It does. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Let's drop spider portals and do Mayor Fisk. Then. Uh, and I still, I think infinity formula. Okay. Yeah. Drop all you've got or no matter the cost, one of the two for hired muscle. What do you think? Hard calls, right? Hard calls. Hard calls. I like them both. I mean, I think the better question for us to ask is not necessarily what we're dropping, but if we lean on one of those cards, which characters are really benefiting from them the most? So with all you've got, what comes to your mind, Omnis, on our roster, who are you going to want to all you got as kind of a gut reaction? And obviously games go out games happen 
you're going to, all you got with someone else, but who's going to be your main target to all you got with, is it going to be Logan? Is it going to be Cyclops? Yeah, I think it's probably Logan, but Cyclops is not a bad one either. I do agree with you. I'm not sure I see, like, there's nothing that jumps out at me as like, this is an amazing, all you've got play. Right. So maybe I think no matter the cost is a little bit easier to use, but I think either are flexible. So which one did you want to cut? I'm in agreeing with you. I think no matter is more versatile across all of our So yeah, let's cut all you've got and go with hired muscle. Because I think if we are going to potentially force uh, Mayor Fisk, then I I like that a lot. And I think we're good in it. Okay. Extracts. Anything jump out at you? We're not particularly great at like pulling people in for like the the scrolls or alien ship neither of those like jumps out at me i will say i feel like we're solid in spider infected we've got a ton of characters right and we have a lot more ability to like if we go first we decide to force it we can have someone teleport with storm and then go pick it up in like one movement and then be able to move backwards afterwards i'm a fan yeah i also think we probably are fine struggle for the cube. I mean, if you're staying in that 17 threat realm, not necessarily that we're going to always choose it or anything like that, but I mean, Logan likes the damage. He can't pick up a cube if he's injured, but he does heal it back. So I don't, and like in general, our characters are, are going to perform a little bit better when the, when our opponents are down a stamina and we like the extra power generation. So I certainly don't hate cubes. Now, is it just too easy of an out for us to go hammers? But I feel like we're just strong against hammers with our movement shenanigans. And some of our ranged characters really benefit from hammers. Toad benefits from hammers. I mean, I know most characters benefit from hammers, but sometimes when these characters have low strength strikes, it's actually pretty beneficial. Like Storm, you know, having the lower dice pools, she's fine with a hammer, right? Well, one of the things I'll say is, both Storm and Cyclops are potentially wanting to use to me my X-Men and first class. And that's true. That's yeah, we rough. can really end up amplifying the cost. I mean, I agree that our team in general all potentially likes to have a like a stronger builder attack. And right. mm, it's tough, my friend. It's like <laughs> I think hammers is a reasonable one. I just want to see Logan with a hammer and and just Really punch above. Yeah, Doctor bones. Strange with a hammer. We still have Doctor Strange on here. Doctor Strange with a hammer is straight dumb. That could give us like a different kind of threat if we think people are like building for the, the if we think they're just too good against the wide team and we're going to like Doctor Strange right. with a hammer and we can potentially set it up where Doctor Strange can teleport, pick up a hammer and then attack. Right. That's pretty good. Most people can't do that. But strange in this, he hop forward, <laughs> grab a hammer, start blasting pe- people. Yeah. Moving people off things. Yeah. It seems good. If we go this route, we will be pretty locked at our numbers. I mean, there'll be 16, three seventeens and two eighteens. Yeah, but we're really good at those threat levels. We are. And I feel like if someone threatens 20, we're fine. We've already built the team in such a way where you can easily play at the low threats. We can play at the 20 threat. I think we're scary enough that people may not even want to have to deal with us at 20. I, I don't see any threat level that we can't build for. So I, I like it. Let's go yeah. hammers for now. I don't see something else. Nothing else really jumps out at me as like amazing yeah. for us. I don't actually hate the idea of having herbs. We do have Wolverine getting an additional die from having, because he does physical attacks. That's pretty sweet. Beast also. Do we want to go 15? I mean, 15 is fine. Yeah, we certainly can build the 15. 
not that this is necessarily a consideration, but you know, being the new hotness and always experiencing these new objectives. I mean, can we handle 14, the extremist target senators? I think we can. I'm not sure. I think we will struggle to take down a character who picks those up. Yeah. And so I don't think that creates any good synergies for us. I feel like if there was a weakness in here, we don't have any natural strengths into scrolls, senators, or right. uh, alien ship. And so I think if someone's forcing those on us, I think that's something we have to deal with. But I think we're strong enough on the secures that we can probably potentially play around that. I think we can. I like the herbs. I feel like hammers is safer. Yeah, let's but stick with hammers. Then. I do like the idea of the herbs. Once again, we're pretty confident we're always going to be 16, 17, or 18. And that's a good place to be, you know, where we know our points are going to lie on our end. So that's that's nice. Okay. Like that. So Widow doesn't jump out at me for anything. So I'm going to just cross her off. I think I do want to keep a second two threat. I think Wong or Toad are both great. I want to keep Toad. I think it kind of depends a little bit on what you want to force the most. Wong can help a bit with Mayor Fisk as he can remove stun. Right. Um, he also helps on cubes because he can heal people and he rounds out some of the, some of the power problems. But overall, Toad performs a little bit better in our primary situation of the mutant madman. He does. So I think we lead with Toad, but just listeners, if you want to flex that to Wong, go for it. I like Doctor Strange giving us a different kind of threat as our five threat. Right. But we mentioned the viability of Thor. I mean, Thor slots pretty much in all these things we've built around as well. But I do like Strange's kind of mid range to flipping to control. Like he, he's got a lot of options when Thor is a little bit more one dimensional. Okay. And thing. then we were going to keep both Valkyrie and Taskmaster. We're keeping all four of the X-Men. We're dropping the other four slot. And then I think it's really just listener pick like Miles, Gwen, Shuri, Drax, Doc Ock, like all five of those potentially slot in great in that last slot. The shout out, which we already mentioned, but I mean, I don't know if Mystique necessarily fits in the slot, but I think she's in contention for a fun three threat. I think she still fits our game plan. And I think if you do her, then you drop no matter the cost and put in deception. Yes. But I like that still. That last slot's pretty flex. So that would put us at Storm, Cyclops, Beast, Wolverine, Okoye, Toad, Valkyrie, Taskmaster, Strange. And then you've got this last three flex spot, which could be very easily Miles, Gwen, Doc Ock, Drax, Mystique. Here's a crazy thought for the end. How would you feel about Groot in the last slot? And we actually work in, we are Groot in place of no matter the cost to give us another healing out when we have all these different characters that are going to potentially be softened up and maybe grabbing cubes. Like that's another slot I think like is really interesting for that spot. You're speaking (laughs) my language. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, Groot is one of my, my loves in this game that a lot of people discredit. I don't think it's fair. And also, man, him being able to teleport is nice because he normally doesn't ever get to double attack. Yeah. He's got good physical defense, so he fits our plan. Here's the spice. Armor, right? Here. So even if you like someone's trying to energy attack him, right now he's getting one auto success. So like that two energy defense doesn't even like people be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in on him. And you're like, Yeah, that's fine. He's got cover. Like shoot him, shoot him. Like, whatever. (laughs) So true. I think we have a really good core team here. We kept all of the X-Men in. I don't see any reason. Like, this is usually the spot. I'm like, there was no spot in this process where I felt like we need another affiliation to cover a weakness. Like, it's easier to just, like, slot in one more dude or whatever. We obviously, like, could put in Cap, right? Like, I suppose you could. Or even Black Panther. I don't hate the idea of dropping Doctor Strange for Captain America and making it so you can flex Avengers. 
but there really wasn't any spot where Doctor Strange would be one of the best Avengers on our team. And so again, I don't see any need in this to add another affiliation. There's no, we've got a gamma wave plan, right? We can play it just about any threat level. We're pretty spammy. We've got just a great strong mix of characters. I don't see any standout weakness. Maybe I'll find one playing it, right? It might hit a okay. point where I'm like, ooh, I don't feel strong enough here. And maybe that changes the three slot or changes Doctor Strange. But man, I dig it. I think it's good. I dig it too. And our last slot's really interesting because I'm very perplexed and excited by this last slot. A lot of my favorite characters are in this slot i mean we've got miles and gwen which serves similar purposes and even like you said doc ock similar purpose he's got some good movement and he's got a throw but then we've got things like drax and groot which are very tanky not going anywhere they're kind of holding the area they're at and then we got a curveball with a mystique you know so where do we go with this last slot is something i'm going to be thinking about a lot we've got options i like it since we didn't go widow earlier i might lean more into the miles or gwen situation to be safe but i'm very intrigued by doc ock drax groot or even mystique i think miles helps a lot against scrolls and alien ships so i think if your meta has a lot of that then miles gets better i think if you have a lot of people trying to force like wakanda wave gamma sort of stuff on you i think shuri gets better there yeah but i'm really any of them are solid choices and i think you could try a few and flip through them a bit but i like it this is this is a really solid really solid x-men roster And so Strange is probably one of our strangest picks in this. And the question is, when does Strange actually come out? Does he basically only come out in the 18 threats? Do we hold him for a niche situation where we see a comp, like you said, that has this sort of high threat, heavy hitter character, and we kind of need to balance out our gameplay with that? Well, I think like, say you're playing Gamma Wave at a higher threat level. That's one that definitely stands out to me where I don't want too many characters all taking a bunch of damage. And I think if you're playing this team, say like Gamma at 17 or something, I could totally see going Storm, Cyclops, Beast, Doctor Strange, Okoye, right? Like, Oh, yeah. But yeah, it just, you got some options. And I think it get, allows you to threaten something a little bit different when you just don't feel like your primary game plan like of the more wide team is going to work. Having the combination of Doctor Strange and Valkyrie, just two really solid, dependable characters that can right. round out, you know, various builds where you can slot them in with Storm, Beast, Taskmaster or, you know, at 17 or Storm, Cyclops, Beast, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie at 18. It just gives you good options. Yeah, and I think as we talked about earlier, if Doctor Strange is not your playstyle, that sort of control slash mid-range sort of playstyle, I mean, there's no shame in throwing in a Thor here because we talked about Thor's doing a lot of the good things that the rest of this list is doing, but he's also a different threat entirely. So season it to your taste, but I think we've got a good skeleton here, ominous of points for sure. And of course, the amount of X-Men we have and the supporting pieces to the X-Men. If you can't pick between two of those last three slots, you could drop Strange and just go, I'm going to play Miles and Shuri. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's just go wide. If you want to just force the super wide plan and just have more options, I think you could drop Strange for that. But I think the rest of the team I would probably keep as is. Yeah, and I really like Strange kind of in the midfield with 
maybe a Scott or a Storm. That's pretty interesting because you don't want to go there, but also, you know, if they're doing something important to the objective, like you have to deal with them. And then you've got potentially, like you said, a Scott who can be beat up with Strange's defensive bonuses, you know, a Storm with cover or stealth. Or There's a lot of things where we're really messing with our opponents, like a way to actually attack us, basically where we always benefit from defense dice in some way. So I like that. I think your listeners could absolutely run with this. And I think Director Fury would feel like this is one of the finest X-Men teams. So I think it would be Spicy absolutely ones. fair to be like, this is this is Fury's finest when it comes to the X-Men. Well, absolutely, Omnis. And we'll have to have you back on to do something else spicy list-wise on the show. When you got some free time, it's been a blast. This was a really fun, you know, we had no notes or anything. We just dove right in, making a list live. I think this is pretty interesting. Rather than like deconstructing a list, we kind of went the other way. We, we went, let's start at the top, talk about our process. And then you can kind of see just between me and Amos, we got some different opinions and flex. And then you, the listener, I'm sure have some different opinions and flex. And that's good. That's what makes MCP fun and also fit your play style. So if someone's running Mystique out there in this list, let us know. I'd love to hear that because I think she's still interesting. Omnis, like you said in this, get her card in, you know, I think this is pretty viable too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you very easily have this be you could make Mystique the three threat. You could make Magneto instead of Doctor Strange. And you could have like you seven could. out of eight of the mutants in this this team construction. And I think it still works. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Yeah, and I'm excited to try Magneto with this team too. Maybe maybe not necessarily the team we built today, but definitely I'm excited to try Magneto in X-Men in some form. See if it's any good. Interested because I'm a fan of Magneto. It seems good. Yeah, yeah. like you said, he likes being moved. <laughs> it's probably good <laughs> for him. Yeah, definitely. So, for free. Yeah. So once again, our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. They're making things like this happen where we just do more episodes. We do more production. We get more people on the show. It's all an exciting time during X-Men season. And of course, I got to mention while Omnis is on the show, we have our T Public page. It's been exciting to put a bunch of new designs on there. We're adding more as X season continues. So X-Men themes ones, but uh, Omnis, uh, you've got one of these, I think. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I'm right now I'm wearing your, uh, the six gems. I just, I like it. I think it just applies to my general nerdiness, but um, I was hoping <laughs> you make one the same style and it's just like Thanos and mind and Corvus and reality and Proxima. That is the, the black order jam. I would be so down for that. That's the 15 points you, you sit on, right? Yeah. I am in the works of that. Since you tweeted me about that, I am, I'm going to make that happen. Cause that's a really great idea. Cause you did mention, we do have two really great black order shirts. Of course, the MCU black order. And then of course the comics, Canon Black Order with Supergiant. Cannot forget Supergiant. What a great character. Yeah, I'd love to make that shirt, but it's awesome you're wearing the Infinity Stones shirt with every stone in the order that Thanos gets them in the MCU, you know, top to bottom. For that sure. gem at the bottom. I have to, you know, put one out for Vision every time I see that. So you got to realize that the, he actually had the Mind Stone first because he gave the staff to Loki. So Mind would have been at the top and it ended up being the one he had to work the hardest to get in the end. Mistakes were made, brother. Mistakes were definitely made. So Loki, you can't trust him if you're, you know, Thanos or yeah. most people. But yeah, you guys should absolutely support Fury's Finest on Patreon. It is a lot of work producing shows. I can attest to how much work it is and there's so many yes, little things that just like it relieves the pressure it's it's so appreciated if you love fear's finest the director 
would love for you to support. And we appreciate it because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes as Omnis said. All great shows take a lot of time off the mic, in my opinion. And, you know, we're really passionate about bringing the highest level of production and, and hopefully discussion to you guys in a, in a format that's concise and, you know, doesn't take up too much of your time, but is frequent. So that's our goal on Fury's Finest. And the T-Public, you know, it's more just for fun. It's not really something to actually get money. It's more just to get cool designs out there in the world. And I'm really proud of our designs. We've got logos with our Fury's Finest characters on them and the Fury's Finest words. But then, of course, as Omnis got one of our list shirts, you know, just listing things in Marvel we'd love. You know, I'm really looking forward to some X-Men ones that are coming out on the T-Public page not too long from now. And just check our show notes for the link to the T-Public or type in Fury's Finest on T-Public. So, of course, we had Omnis on the show this week and hopefully more in the future. But Omnis, if anyone's not familiar with your show or your content, let us know what you do. Absolutely. So uh, I do a very guest-oriented show, kind of like what we're doing right here, but the roles are kind of flipped, where usually I'm uh, Right. You know, I'm in the director's chair, but this is really cool to be on the opposite side of it. But if you want to listen to a very guest oriented show where I'm bringing on different people from the community every week, you just on this protocol anywhere, Spotify, iTunes, check me out on Twitter. I have a link tree that posts everything. And I also do videos of my games and I do commentary over them. So you can check out, I even have like my very first X-Men game. I posted it in basically its entirety. Very I really good. just want to support the community, support the players, just like Fury's Finest is doing. Yeah, definitely support Omnis. He's one of Chris and I's favorite shows. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of content creators in the community these days. So many good content creators. There's so many good ones, but you're definitely one of my favorites because you follow a similar format to us to getting as much information in a high produced format you can in a reasonable amount of time, you know, and that's really important because I know people have busy lives, busy schedules, jobs, you know, things in life that come up. We only have so much time and I really appreciate it when content creators really get it in their concise and get a lot of information out with a lot of words in a shorter amount of time. And that speaks to me on a good level. So <laughs> concise, concise, but also rich and uh, a lot to say. It's a tough wire to walk, you know, and that's something we've always tried to do and my past shows too. So definitely check out Omnis show, give him a subscribe. And also that leads me into my next just thought, which is Omnis. We are part of a network now, right? As in your show and Fury's Finest, right? Absolutely. So the guys behind Across the Bifrost, TT and Pat have launched the Across the Bifrost Nexus, which is a hub of content creators, YouTube and podcasts to try to provide like one place that if there's new people that don't know what there is, or maybe there's show you're looking for something new because you've listened to all of Fury's Finest already and you need some more content (laughs) at the itch, right? So true check out the Across the Bifrost Nexus and you can just see what other content creators are out there. That can be fun. Like fill in the time. Like we don't get enough time to have games in person. There's not enough events and cons. So listening to the other podcasts and shows is what brings us all together and keeps us going. Absolutely. And that's just across the Bifrost.com. Some of my favorite people on here, like we said, TT and Pat kind of kicking this off. Omnis and I are on there as well. And then of course we've got, you know, video content like Omnis talked about, like Nate from the Gamers Guild. I love always being on Nate's show and, you know, things like Blackfire Productions. And then also Omnis, something we didn't mention yet, blogs. We've got blogs here as well. So Oh yeah, the Xavier's Protocol and Xavier Protocol, Coaxium Gaming, some new blogs and some been around since the beginning of the game's inception. So you could spend a lot of time on the Across the Bifrost Nexus. And I think that's the goal 
if you probably like one of our shows, you probably like one of these other shows on here because they all are putting out great content, all different. And I think that's the best part of this community. Omnis is like, this game is for everyone, casual, narrative, competitive players, but also there's content out there for everyone casual, narrative, competitive players, math people, the list goes on. It's all out there. And our goal on Across the Bifrost Network is just to get it all in one place where you just kind of go to the website and say, what's come out in the last week? Oh, there's a bunch. There's a blog, there's a video, there's a couple podcasts. I'm going to enjoy all this. Agreed. 100%. That was kind of our last bit because it's important podcast time. We record things in advance and I just really want to get that in an episode. It's really important because Chris and I mentioned it in passing, but we wanted to do the full spiel. And I thought what a better opportunity when Omnis is on because we are part of this network together now. So we want to do more things across each other's shows in the future when possible, because I think it brings the network together, brings the community together, ultimately grows the game. So you can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jesse Aiken, just J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And of course, as you guys know, listeners of the Furious Finest, I have a couple Star Wars podcasts, Project Starhawk, which is all about Star Wars Squadrons, and the Canon Cantina, which has been going on for a long time. And it's a Star Wars show about canon legends and much more in the Star Wars universe. We're currently doing The Mandalorian Season 2, of course. Why would we not? You can also follow Chris on Twitter. Twitter at Chris Bruffett. That's of course B R U F F E T T. Ominous. Anything else you want to plug? So I, I'm going to give you guys one of my outros, and so that you can use it if you want. Because I am a person who doesn't like actually saying that things are OP, and then I made a show that the acronym is OP. So I end my show by calling something OP, and I'm going to say to all of the Fury Finest listeners, the most OP thing that you can do is pick up some nerd shirts and then share them with us on Twitter at the Omnis and at Fury's Finest. We want to see your nerd shirts, the Fury's Finest shirts, your X-Men shirts. Let's see all Ooh. of it. That's the most OP thing you can do. I'm a big fan and until I can get the most OP shirt out ever, which is Thanos Mind, nice, Corvus nice. Reality, Proxima Midnight. That's great, Omnis. Thank you for that. Definitely send this to us. We're trying to be more active on Twitter and stuff. What a great idea. So thanks for listening. True believers. Peace. Peace.